My name is Matthew Fort, and this is my daughter Lois. And my name is Lois Fort, and this is my dad, Matthew. And this is going to be a series of podcasts about that ever-interesting topic, food. Because every time we get together, that's what we talk about. We do. Uh, So please step forward to the table and join us for this very first episode from my kitchen of Thoughts on Food. Just tuck in. Do you remember the part the food used to play in our house when you were growing up? Well, yes. I mean, it was you. Uh, You were synonymous with food in our house. Uh, But it was also how we explored people and friendships and family. I mean, I don't remember us, you know, we weren't exactly game campers or, you know, we didn't have other hobbies as a family, really. It It was eating and drinking. Was I a tyrant in the kitchen? You were a bit of a tyrant in the kitchen, yes. I think it's because it was any part of the household where I felt, you know, I was number one. Because everywhere else, it was you, mum and the dogs came first. <laughs> anyway, but I, I do remember, you know, you used to probably with endless sort of challenges because whenever you went to school, I used to make you um, make your lunch. You did. I mean, you'd done a lot of cooking by sort of school drop-off in the morning. You'd cook yourself a hot meal, me a hot meal, and then a school lunch in a thermos, which was, you know, anything from risottos to soups to, you know, various other things that salads. went in a large thermos. I don't remember the salads that oh, much. couscous salad. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. More Excuse substantial me. salads, yes. Yeah, I mean, proper, proper food. But also the other thing I remember is, is the great discovery was finding a wide-necked thermos flask, which meant I could do stews and big things with lumps of vegetable or meat in them that was it. so do you think that it sort of influenced the way in which because this sort of came out didn't it this this podcast came out of conversations we kept <laughs> having during lockdown well I think lockdown. like everybody during lockdown the, the restricted nature of how many things we had to speak about was quite severe it was you know what's you going to eat or have you had any sleep or what's your new mask look like well I think that I, all I can remember is that the, the, almost every phone call we ever had because we talked to other quite frequently they're always going exactly the same way uh, any news no, no news. You got any news? No, no news here either. Bit of a pause. What are you having for supper? <laughs> Remember that? Yes. And then we get, and then we, we have a real proper conversation about exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. We just, you know. So, uh, what did you cook for supper last night? Supper, tricky topic in our house because Peter, my boyfriend, as you know, is from the north, he's from Preston, and they call it tea. Uh, but for the purposes of this, we will stick with supper. And for supper last night, we cooked uh, an Ottolenghi dish. Ah. And actually, it was leftovers from Friday night. And like anything, it was far better as leftovers. Oh, do you know, that's a, a really good tip because if you are making st- anything stewy, which vegetables mm. tend to be, uh, but it's also the same as goes for, for meat stews as well, always make them the day, at least the day before you want to eat them. Yeah. Because in the immortal words of my great friend, guru and mentor, Peter Lewis, it allows for the polite exchange of flavours. Polite exchange of flavours. The flavors. phrase which I've always absolutely loved. It is, isn't it? And of course, you know exactly what it means, isn't it? It's Definitely. Just well, they've just away. had a, you know, more time to get to know each other. <laughs> and, and become accommodated to one another. Exactly. So, so what went into your, into your 
It is an Ottolenghi dish, which is a dal. It's a coconut and curry dal, which I've now realised, having done this dish a few times, the dal is so outstanding that you could do that with lots of other things. But he does it with aubergine that you slice thinly and you roast until it gets sort of malleable. Mm -hmm. And then you roll it around a stuffing of paneer, which you've grated with lime zest, lime juice and a hot lime pickle. Hot lime, hot lime pickle. Homemade hot lime pickle. Afraid not quite yet, <laughs> but we'll get there one day. You're working on hot lime Working pickle. on that. Um, but it's a really kind of, it's punchy because you've got lots of lime flavours, mm. but it's also, because it's a dal rather than a sort of a rice-based curry, mm. it's quite light. Lentils. Yeah, red lentils. Red lentils. Because there's a huge difference, isn't there, between the Indian lentil and the European lentil? Very big difference, the yeah. The lenticchie di Castelluccio in Italy, or the lentille du Puy in France. Oh, they're they're much they're much sort of tougher, tougher. Little. And they're a bit harder on the digestive system, I think, as well. Full of fiber, very good for you. Nutrition. <laughs> yeah, let us. I will not have a word said against the lentille du Puy or the lenticchie well, di Castelluccio. I'm, I'm, I think I'm red lentil all the way now. Well, actually, but I think that they suit completely different sorts of sorts, sorts of, dishes. of dishes. You're right. Anyway, but, this is delicious and filled with coconut milk. Delicious. Excuse me. What does delicious mean? Listen, no one can no one can taste the food. So tell me, describe okay. the effect. It, so it's got a lovely sort of level of heat through it that never kind of knocks you out, mm -hmm. but it maintains a, a solid level of warmth throughout the dish. Mm -hmm. um, the dal, actually, the first time I made it, I followed the recipe and he cooks it with just hot water and the coconut milk. Mm -hmm. And the second time I did it, I thought, Hang on, I, I think that could have been a that could have had something else going on there. A bit more zip. Bit more zip. So I did it with stock, which made such a difference. I've tried it with chicken stock. I've tried it with vegetable stock, and I've actually tried it with mushroom stock. Any spices in there at all? There are spices. Oh, there's tons of kind of dried spices. There's coriander. There's turmeric. There's cumin. There's mild curry powder. Can I stop you just there? You can. I'm so pleased you say there's this, that, and the other. It's not that. Terrible thing they do on television. We've got, we've got the coriander, we've got the turmeric, we've got the mint, we've got the. No, we haven't got it. So, yeah. Well, I'm not presenting it, so well, you I know. know. But I'm, I'm now beginning to get a sort of idea of what yeah. the sort of range of flavours. Because one of the things about <clears throat> one of the things about podcasts, about television, about radio, whatever it is, media, is that the person listening or the person viewing cannot, share, or indeed the person reading cannot share no. the experience with you. So you have to make that bridge for them. Well, you're very experienced at this. You've made a living out of doing it. So you've got to bear with the rest of us mere mortals who are used to just saying yum. Oh, sorry, darling. <laughs> well, I thought I brought you up rather better than just to say yum. Okay, I'll, I'll work on my descriptives. Or the most magic phrase that every chef, every cook, sorry, I'm not a chef, I'm a cook. Every cook wants to hear is... Could I have a second helping, please? This is what happened on Friday night with our aubergine dull. Everybody had second helpings. I, I tell you what, the panic, just the general anxiety around cooking for people instantly dissolves when someone asks for second helpings. It's a very good feeling. It is. Well, I remember that was the... I can remember the exact moment when, you know, the doors of perception opened and I realised the power of cooking. It was when I was at university. This was quite a long time ago. Uh -huh. And um, I became... I was. I was... Uh, thrown over in love 
and I became thrown over in love. That's it. old school. I okay. know but it was, but it, this was very old school stuff. Yes. And um, and you, know, you remember what it was like to be thrown over in love in your teens? You become the most tedious person in the entire world. Uh, and my friends started avoiding me. They didn't want to hear oh, me. Dear. So I thought I did a trade. So I said, "I'll cook for you, and you will listen to me being utterly miserable." So they said, oh, "No, students always will do anything for food." Won't they? Free grub. So one evening, I remember I made this, what was for then a very sophisticated dish of a, a chicken with white wine, cream and mushroom sauce. Oh, delicious. It was oh, actually... there I go again. Delicious. It was silky. It had that sort of little bite of the little, little sort of lift of the, from, the, from the white wine. The, that, you know, that sort of slightly fleshy quality of the mm -hmm. mushroom. Uh, Any the herbs? Velvet in it. Well, I can't remember back now. I'm just giving you the... The, the, the headlines. The, the general headings. But, you know, is that the, you know, everybody ate away, mm, yeah, yum, 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 thank you, Matthew. And then someone said, could I have some bread, please? I thought, oh, damn it, I, I haven't given them enough, enough to eat. Horror. Horror, shock, horror. So I said, rather aggressively, I said, well, what do you want bread for? Because he said, this sauce is so delicious, ah. I just can't bear to leave any. And that's when, you know, suddenly you realise, and, and I have to say my heart was mended in the moment, and, uh, and that's imagine. when I discovered cooking, really. And it does bring an enormous amount of, of pleasure to be able to provide and, and, and therefore create moments with people where you're around a table and you're focused and you've spent, you know, your time preparing for them. I think it's, 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 such a, it's a generous thing to do. It's a generous thing for them to do, to come and eat your food. And it creates just a fantastic sense of warmth. What I just said, you know, this is music for my ears. <laughs> this is what I think. Maybe all those hours I spent cooking you food and we all sitting around the table, it haven't actually been wasted because that's what I used to say to you all those years well, ago. It's, it's definitely rubbed off, that's I for sure. Say, learn how to cook and you'll never lack for friends. That's true. Everybody loves to be cooked for. Everybody loves to yeah. be cooked for. And it's interesting how when you're with people sometimes, and, you know, we were on holiday recently with some people and one of the girls there absolutely hates to cook. It's her least favourite thing. Couldn't interest her any less. She couldn't think of anything worse. And I can't stand washing or clearing up. I mean, I, I can't bear it. But I love to cook, so I did it every day without feeling any sense of chore. And she loved to do, you know, the bits afterwards and clear up without any sense of chore. So you just see for some people it's a pleasure just to eat, for some people it's a pleasure to cook, and for some people it's a pleasure to do both. But for, for the cook, it's a double pleasure because not only do you do something that you love to do anyway, but you get brownie points for it. That's true. Everybody loves you for it, anyway. and so, you, as you rightly say, you get out of the washing up, although I... I sort of quite like doing the washing up as well because usually in the course of a, a reasonable lunch, I have possibly had a certain amount to drink. And actually that business of doing the washing up while you sabre up and rehydrate. It's your leveller, is it's it? It's a sort of, you know, it just brings the world back into balance again after the exuberance. No, I, I do understand that. That makes sense. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Before yeah. we get on to what you had for supper last night, mm -hmm. Do you ever get, I'm sure you don't anymore, but did you ever used to? You know, sometimes when you've slaved away and you've thought about a recipe and you've cooked it and your friends are coming over, your family come over and suddenly your appetite's disappeared and you lose all sense of real enjoyment of the dish. I, some, I, I That happens to me and I think it happens to lots of my friends because of the pressure. So you feel slightly robbed of the pleasure of eating it. 
Yes, that, I think we all go through that stage. I certainly used to go through that stage. Only I used to, you know, because I was so ambitious in my, I was trying to create an amateur, trying to create restaurant food in a domestic kitchen. So you know, neat little arrangements of, you know, I do remember I went through an absurd phase at one point of tying up bundles of uh, French beans, blanched French beans, little strips of red pepper. Oh, blimey. I mean, for someone who's not very dainty of fingers, that was quite <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> I look back and it was a shame. Actually, the worst thing I ever did, the, the maddest I ever got, was actually I parboiled some uh, some Brussels sprouts. Well, yeah. And then I peeled off the outside leaves so they formed a little, you know, a little cup. Yes. And I filled the little cups with with uh, with um, carrot puree and then put the leaf back on so they looked like beet, the, oh like, like Brussels sprouts, but actually they were when people ate them. Oh my goodness, it was like a little chocolate. Yeah, so maybe surprise. actually you were the first to yeah. meet fruit. It wasn't Heston, that's what he did. <laughs> this is, I can, all I can tell you, it was a form of lunacy, which I eventually gave up. But I think you see, you, you, there, was, there was another sort of critical moment in my cooking life when, you know, Invariably, I used to go, you know, there would be a, a first course, a fish course, a meat course, and a pudding, you know, so, so that was the structure. Mm -hmm. and, I, you know, and I was doing all, all four things myself because I never trusted anybody to, um, to give me a hand. Hence the tyrant in the kitchen. Hence the tyrant in the kitchen. And then one day, I remember thinking, do you know, I'm just not going to get whatever it was. I think it was the fish course. I'm just never going to get this done. This is, this is too good. So I dropped it. Because no one else noticed this. Of course they didn't. But suddenly, you know, I, the, the time expanded. I could have had plenty of time to do three dishes. I didn't have enough time to do four. And that suddenly realised that what you have to do when you're planning your meal is not to give yourself too much to do. Yeah. And if it's necessary, cut out, cut out a, a vegetable, cut out a sauce, because no one else is going to notice. They're all going to be having a good time in any way that glasses wine herd being going back very true and also do things the night before if you can if you can do something the night before then do well now here's a thought mm -hmm. well apart from your stew which you could have done the day before you see i am not going to talk about the meal i had last night which was in a restaurant and i'm afraid was poor oh poor is the only word to describe it that, you don't say that very often no i don't say it very often but i thought this i thought it was anyway uh, let us pass over Pain and anguish. I would like to push behind me. Okay. Because the, the it's the meal I'm going to cook next. Ah. Oh. I'm going to cook for dinner for six. Yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a duck dish, okay. which is going to be cooked. Now the duck itself is going to be cooked in two ways. Part of it's going to be roasted, and part of it is going to be mm, confit. I would say, but actually, what it means is being cooked in. The, the legs will be cooked in stock so I can take the meat off and shred, shred it. And that's going to be served with a, uh, there's a story behind all this, a barley risotto. Oh, I love a barley risotto. Well, you see, once upon a time, I made the mistake of saying such a thing as a barley risotto did not exist. A risotto name has to be made from rice. Uh-huh. You know, and... Um, and I said, so I used to, when I, when, I, when I wrote for The Guardian, I used to write, I'd say, preposterous idea of having a risotto made with barley, blah, 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 blah. And then I remember going to this restaurant in a northeast of Turin, the mountains um, in northeast of Turin, which was used to be the home of the Valdesi, the Valdensians, who were an obscure Protestant sect who used to operate up there. Okay. And, um, and I walked into this restaurant, and there on the menu was 
orzotto, a risotto made with orzo, which is barley. So I then had to go online and well, I had to go onto the paper and confess my sins. But it makes it really good. And what you do is you say you cook the barley, you make a stock out of part of the part of the uh, part of the duck. Ah, oh, the duck stock. How duck lovely. With duck stock. Yes. Well, mm. what you do is you take the crown off, and yeah. keep keeping the breast on the bone, because if you can cook uh, a breast of, of duck on the bone, then it doesn't shrink. It's oh, does it not? No. Because, I mean, they do shrink in the most obscene fashion. Yes, I know. You start, you, up, you start up with one about six yeah. inches long and it ends up like a ninja rubber you used to have at school. It does. Whereas I learned this from that great chef, Paul Heathcote. He yes. Was, he was a great and good man. And he showed me how to do this. And so what he used to do is take the, the breasts off on the crown, then you take the legs off, take the crown off, and then you're left with this, what I call the, the undercarriage of the bird. And you use that and the wing tips to make stock with. Delicious. Just water and and duck. Not, nothing, nothing else. Nothing else, no seasoning? No, nothing else. Nothing else. Because what you're going to do is you're going to cook that and you're going to reduce that right down until it gets really intense. And you don't oh. know whether you need... You, you'll probably add a bit of salt towards the end. But okay. Only then. And then, but you also then cook the barley in the... In, in the stock. In the stock. So it is infused. When you've cooked the legs, mm. you take off the shreds of duck meat off there and you mix them with the barley. That sounds wonderful. And little slivers of kale, that little oh. green. So you've got the, you know, so it's very healthy. Yeah. Uh, and very nutritious. Like a little bit chewiness of the barley. Well, they are. They're, they're much more chewy. They're, you know, you're forced into very al dente and they're quite nutty. I just, I think barley, we do not give barley enough. We don't. It's due, really. Very rarely Pearl see barley. barley. Well, pearl barley or pot barley, uh, and then the, and then what you do is you then and then you roast the, the duck breast. You put it in the oven. Oh, well, actually, what you do is you brown it first in the frying pan. Yeah. And you could do all of this the day before. This is the point. Ah. Do all of this the day before. Then you brown it uh, and part cook it. And then so that when you come to serve it, you take the the breast off the bone. Yeah. You know, when it's cold, and you reheat it in the stock. So any juices from the breast go back into the stock. Mm -hmm. And then you serve it, and I'm going to serve it with a little puree of uh, pumpkin, pumpkin, lovely oh, orange nice. pumpkin, smooth. You're All very the, seasonally appropriate. Very here, I seasonally think. appropriate. Yes. And pudding. You can ask me about pudding. Pudding? What's pudding? for pudding? Well, <laughs> well, well, I, did, I will ask you well, about pudding. Will you let me? Well, the pudding is going to be an apple charlotte. What's the difference between an apple charlotte and an apple tart or an upside down apple or an apple anything well, or a tartata? Well, or... you see, I think the tartata is overdone. I'm not saying it isn't a very nice pudding in its own way, but it's, it, it lacks sophistication. Whereas the, the apple charlotte, named after the uh, the wife of George III, who's a patron of apple growers. Oh. Uh, Caroline of Schleswig-Holstein. No, she wasn't that, but anyway, something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what you do is you puree some, some apples quite tight, add, add a bit of sugar to it, and I like to put a few raisins in there as well. And then you get a mould. And you get the cheap slices, the cheapest white bread you can find oh. with, with the, the crust taken off. So it's not a pastry dish. No, no. Okay. And then you and then you um, and then you dip them in butter you, on Ooh. one side only, Ooh. and then you line a mould with the slices of white bread mm -hmm. with the with it with the 
butter side outwards. Okay. All the way around like that, and across the bottom. Mm -hmm. Then you pour in your apple puree with the raisins in it, and you top it off with a bit more buttered white bread with the butter bit outwards, and you bung it in the oven for about 20 minutes at high, sort of 160, 180. And what you find is that the, the outside, but the buttered bread goes all crisp and crunchy. Uh, yeah, I can imagine on the, the outside, butter, yeah. Slightly soggy on the inside where it's come into contact with the apple. Bit like a good toasty. Exactly so. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's, it's applying the principle of the toasty, but to, to a pudding. And served with gallons of unpasteurised double cream from a Jersey cow. Frankly, you cannot have a better pudding. Well, I the only way I tweak that is I'm not a cream girl. I am a custard girl. <laughs> I don't know what to say. To <laughs> Custard's well, just got much more flavour. I love. I, I, listen, I am fond of custard. Um, well, that sounds delicious. It is, it is, when it is, are you it, cooking that? I'm cooking that on Thursday. And are you all prepped and ready? Have you ordered your birds? No, I've got the bird. I've got the. I've got the duck. Um, okay. So I've got to do the hacking and the hewing uh, yep. tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and there would be a little cheese in between. So that would be, oh, I think that was, you'd, you'd eat that, wouldn't you? Sounds, sounds lovely. Sounds perfect. Not vegetarian. Not vegetarian. Well, no. I mean, you, you very rarely cook vegetarian food. But but I, to be honest, I do eat much less meat than I used to. I think like a lot of people, mm. we're going that way. Yes. A lot less meat. Uh, and because we're getting a, we're getting a little less frightened of vegetarian cooking, I think. Were we ever frightened of it? Well, I think we were a little, maybe stumped is the word. <laughs> I think, I think you, you you do have to work much harder, I think, you to do. make to build a a proper vegetarian dish that gives you the same degree. It's much easier to do it around a great chunk of protein. And yes, the other bits on that sets the tone. Yeah. Okay, so I do want to just quickly go back and find out briefly why your meal. I love hearing when people don't enjoy a meal. <laughs> well, it was. You don't that, have to name and shame, but yeah, it was. It was an Italian restaurant, quite well known. First of all, I had a pasta dish. Now, if you go to Italy, the pasta and the sauce should be of equal weight. You should always, Italians always believe you should be able to taste the pasta as well as the sauce. Okay, whereas. In England, we regard pasta as a vehicle for the sauce. True. You know, it's the bulk item. But that's it's wrong, and it misses out a lot of the subtleties of Italian pasta dishes. Um, and so that, and there was, it was quite a nice sauce, lobster sauce. I didn't order this dish. It was full stop on me. Oh. Um, but, it was, but it was ladled with sauce in the English, in the English mm. fashion. And, you know, and you know that in a, what they're doing is that they can't sell they can't charge the prices they do for the way you do it in Italy. For the pasta. For the pasta, mm. of course. So they then have to up the ante on the on the sauce. And the other thing was that then they had fegot alla veneziana, which is liver, calves liver in the Venetian style. Mm -hmm. Now, as I've always had it in the past, I think it should be, the, the liver, calves liver, should be cut very, very thinly and cut very, very quickly so that it's seared on the outside and still sort of melting on the inside, sort of soft and slightly squidgy. And this was cut in a great thick chunk like that. Oh. Which was wrong, 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 wrong. wrong, wrong. wrong. Because actually, calves liver cut that thick is not that nice anyway. It's... Well, don't get me started because there's a no. I won't get you started you know, on, a, on a total rant. We're, we're, we're going to have we're going to have a future podcast, aren't we? About, we are about hates, pet peeves, food pet peeves, pet and, pet peeves. and food hates. In my case, loathings. 
For you, they might be pet peeves. But for me, yours are loathings, but, yes. But um, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that now. We're going to say no, that no. We'll get to that. It won't even be the next one. Maybe the one after that. Okay. Right. Well, should we talk about the next one? Well, I think yes, and then then I think we should leave with. Well, we give them quite a lot of hints, but I know you've got a, a tip that I think you want to. Well, I've touched on my tip a little bit already because it was the fact that I brought stock into a recipe yeah. that didn't already have stock, and actually I have a prop. Oh. Because as you know, I've just come home from a trip to Belgium. And I was in the German-speaking part of Belgium, right on the German and Dutch border. And there was a paste that my friend had, which is a stock, but they call it paste. And I was cooking for them and I used the stock that they had. And it was, without a doubt, the most delicious, intense stock I've ever used. This is actually a mushroom one, but they have a chicken one. Pits paste. Well, that means mushroom, but oh. I use the chicken one. And inside, it isn't like a stock cube that we know here at all. Mm. It's like a rich, it almost be like how you'd imagine a laxa paste, that kind of oh, right. density. Yeah. I mean, I you could spread it on toast. It's so delicious. So my next port of call is going to be to find how I can get this brand, which is called Le Croix in England. But stock is would be my tip. Stock with anything. What? I thought you were going to give me that. I oh, yeah, I, I, um, yes, you can have it. You sure? Yeah. I don't want to denude your, your larder. That's okay. I'm going to find some online. I will tell you something. You can, if you come across, uh, I think, Nor do little pots of high concentrate. Oh, do they? Yeah, they do. It might be worth... I'm sure it won't be as, probably as good as this. But I'll have a look. Yeah. And, and, and if anyone from Nor's listening, they used to do little bottles. Of Those were the concentrate. best. I don't know where they've gone. I know. It's, it's, it's a really... It's, it's, I mean, I think that, you know, that anybody listening to this... Please join the crusade to bring back the little bottles nor touch of taste. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what they were, it is it was a bottle of maybe 500 mils of, mm. of, of liquid stock, maybe not that much, with a lid that you could take on and off. And yeah. so you weren't restricted to having to make 500 mils or a yeah. litre. Yeah. And you could just you could also just pop a drop into anything, a drop into some vegetables that you were frying or into... It didn't, you know, you it, it kind of loosened up how you could use stock. Mm. Right, here is a really useful tip that was also given to me by the great Peter Lewis. Yes. He said, whenever you go into the kitchen to start cooking, the first thing you do is put on a pot of water to boil because you will need it sooner or later. Genius. And rather than have to sit around there... Waiting. waiting. waiting for it or, uh, so that's my tip. It's a great tip, and it's true. When was the last time I cooked anything and didn't need some boiling water? Although nowadays... People have got really smart hot taps above their. Yeah. No, don't roll your eyes. They don't... What's wrong with that? It's very useful. No, 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 but, but for some of us who are not lucky enough to have super hot taps, <laughs> who don't have boiling water coming out of the, you know, and also you know, absent-mindedly you stick your hand underneath it to you know, the skin. Okay, don't get started. Right, hot water and stock. Hot water and stock. Tips I think, for the day. What are we going to talk about next time? Well, I think next time we're going to talk about perhaps getting into a food rut. Mmm, same old, same old, same old. Can't same think old. of anything new, yeah. stuck cooking the same things, yeah. lost inspiration. Yes, that's. I, mean, I think we all chefs have had, all, I keep on saying chefs, cooks, mm. all cooks have had that thing. I mean, you know, sometimes it's quite understandable you want to keep to your comfort zone, but I think that we're, we're always looking out for new ideas and new stimulations and new... 
new yummy things to cook and new eat. New yummy things to cook and eat. And there's so many different places to find them and conversations to be had that prompt new inspiration so well I know that I will learn something inspiring from you because your way of cooking is completely different to mine and I shall now have to go out and buy some red lentils and and cook up a laxa no it wasn't a laxa it was a dal oh sorry, sorry. we're gonna I will talk about laxa at one point okay. because I'm becoming a bit right. of a an expert in the in the old laxa paste making but it's interesting because my background is almost entirely European and yeah. Italian English French Italian that's what I, whereas you are much more adventurous I lean towards you know Asian style cooking or or at least Asian influence anyway and perhaps one day on this we'll, we'll cook for each other well I think we just go on Oh, that's a frightfully good idea. Yeah, I well, look there forward we go. to it. Yeah. Well, there we go, darling. Um, I think we should wrap this one up for, for one day, don't you? Otherwise Absolutely. We'll keep on rambling on for the rest of the morning. Well, leave afternoon. it with happy cooking yeah. and good luck with the duck. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Good luck with the duck. Quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs>